Alright, I'm going to uh, re-record a, um, a segment that uh, I recorded a few days ago, um, inappropriately, like at 11pm at night, as I was going to bed, and I sounded drunk, <laughs> um, or on morphine, <laughs> so, um, and the, the segment deserved a better effort from me, given the content or the subject matter um, about being a caregiver 24-7. Um, so, um, and this was um, offered to me by uh, a friend, or they didn't, although they didn't start out as friends, but we became friends. Mm-hmm. They employed me, um, they employed me uh, to implement a... Uh, uh, a physiotherapist uh, program initially um, I worked with um, the client for a couple of months uh, until the program was uh, ready and um, this was all done through NDIS uh, funding and uh, as it turned out the program that I had um, initiated uh, which was just an interim thing um, until the uh, everything went through with the um, until everything went through with the uh, the physiotherapist. Um, as it turned out, uh, the program that I'd implemented was uh, was pretty reasonable. So uh, you know, I did I did my research though. Plus, you know, based on what I I already thought uh, might be appropriate for um, the said client. So these people became friends and um, and they're good people dealing with, uh, you know, almost impossible situation. And I know there's a lot of people out there struggling with different... Um, you know, life challenges, and this is just one of them. So our intention is, um, initially, um, when I was talking um, with um, the person that wrote it, uh, was to share their story uh, so that uh, other people might, um, you know, take something out of it add value to their life or to their situation um, you know help in some way uh, and at the same time um, you know indirectly this is a, a form of therapy for uh, the person that um, is is um, having the, the constant and ongoing struggle and battle over the last, I believe, 12 years, so I'll, I'll get started. I'm going to uh, try and keep them to 30-minute um, episodes, so um, keep coming back and checking out for the next one because I have uh, approximately 10 pages, so um, I'm just going to, uh, you know, um, break them up into... 20 to 30 minute episodes and um yeah so um yeah you could give us some feedback if 
um, if you feel the need or if you've got something to share or you would like to come on and share your, um, you know, your struggle, your life challenge, whatever it is, whatever that might be, you may be a full-time family carer as well, but you might be dealing with something else. Um, and that's a part of what the, these podcasts are about. I'm on here sharing a variety of um, subject matter and topics which, uh, you know, so I, I'm not really like restricting myself to um, a certain, uh, you know, uh, area, topic, narrative, whatever, you know, what we're here for all sorts of things. Could be anything you've got to share. Could be about, you know, your favourite sport, your, you know, whatever the car you bought, um, you know, something that you like, you know, in life, uh, something you don't like in life. Um, we, although we try to, to keep it positive, uh, but we're also pretty raw, unscripted, basically, and a bit of random ramblings, um, yeah, and just giving them shout-outs and uh, showing appreciation, you know, and gratitude and acknowledging, you know, good deeds and people. So, yeah, give us a listen. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is Gavin Cramp, you'll find me. Uh, in my Instagram is uh, at Dare to Win ARL, which is the RRL part stands for a random life, dare to win a random life, um, which is D-A-R-E, uh, the number two, not the word, win, dare to win, one word, A-R-L. It's all just one word, lowercase. That's on Instagram. And uh, Gavin Cramp on YouTube, that's only just a new thing. And on the podcast, on dare to win a random life, on um, Anchor, and then it gets um, published uh, from Anchor out onto all the other platforms you can listen in on at um, you know Spotify, Overcast, uh, or there's 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 many there's so many uh, Apple Casts, um, yeah. So yeah, check us out. All right. So without further ado, I'll get on with this um, re-recording of um, unpaid family caregiving. So, thank God he's alive. Don't worry, you won't have to do this alone. At least you don't have to go to work anymore. These are just a few thoughtless perlers you hear when you are suddenly thrown into the nightmare of becoming a family caregiver. Don't get me wrong, I'm glad he survived initially. In fact, I prayed to God to let him live, despite not being religious. Problem is, you are so overwhelmed by so many emotions, fear, love, not knowing what the future holds. You are numb, your brain can't function, you can't look a minute forward, let alone years into the future and what it might hold. You still have a mortgage, young kids, work, plans for your future, all gone now. All you want to do is save the person you'll love for 30 years, the man you raised your family with, the man 
you're looked after better than yourself. So you throw every part of your being into becoming the best caregiver you possibly can. Without neglecting your kids and trying to work out how you're going to financially manage without two full weeks wages, how are you going to help your kids? After all, you had both worked hard your whole lives so you could keep your kids, or so you could help your kids get their first cars, uh, you know, house, etc. Now all those years of hard work seem wasted. There are so many aspects of your life dramatically changing. Now what? Financially, you must investigate every avenue to survive because nobody tells you what you're entitled to and where to get help. Mentally, it's extremely overwhelming and exhausting. I was given two choices. Take him home or put him into a nursing home. He was only 45. I couldn't imagine sending him to a nursing home being locked in a room with old people waiting to die or taking our young kids to visit their father in a home once a week, seeing him with no dignity. So I took him home and promised myself I would never burden our kids with looking after their father. We're the parents. It's not their job to look after us. At first, it was scary. But I was determined to be the best carer I could. After all, I was told by family and friends I wouldn't have to do it alone. Taking him to every appointment, bathing him, cutting up his food, cleaning up his vomit, pee and his poo when he had accidents. The worst was... Or the worst... Yeah, the worst was when he had accidents in the middle of the night... Awful, trying to get him to do exercises and physio, dealing with his confusion and despair at what was happening to him. He didn't have much memory in the beginning. After a few months, we had routine down. We had routine down pat. As much as possible, I thought I could maybe return to work a few hours a day, a couple of days a week. I set him up with enough food and drink and all the things he needed until I got home. Some days were okay. Other days he'd call me to go home because he had to use the bathroom. So some days I'd, I'd, I'd make it in time and other days I didn't. After a couple of months, my boys got annoyed with... My boss, sorry, excuse me. My boss got annoyed with me having to leave. So I decided it was too hard to do both. So I quit and gave up on any form of my old life, my independence. So where are the people who are going to help? Oh, the occasional phone call, if that counts as help. Asking how we are. And, and you should come down. Yeah, come and stay with us for the weekend. Ha, 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 yeah, sure. We'd love to go to a house where where he can't use the bathroom, shower, or wheelchair. I, I, I'd love to be carrying a urinal around your house all day. And I'm sure you'd love to be peeing in a bottle in front of you. So you feel like you're helping us. 
by giving us a break away. Not to mention, I'm exhausted, not sleeping, still trying to be a mother uh, and a father. Look after the house and the yard, the cooking, the cleaning, etc. All by myself, which I was pretty much used to because he didn't do any of that, except for the lawns, but the other burden of looking after him as well. He can't do anything for himself. I have to put him to bed and get him up in the morning, wash him, dress him, undress him, get all his food, cut it up, snacks, drinks, toilet, shower him. He can't see properly, so I have to read everything to him. He gets confused, so I have to explain things over and over to him. It's exhausting. And you, my helpful friends, want me to drive an hour and a half to make you feel better. Right. And then there is his only brother in brackets, who their parents always compared and said his brother was always better than him, end of brackets. Who doesn't, who doesn't answer his phone calls and only calls back when it suits him, but is happy to tell him how great his life is going and how he's earning so much money, he's buying himself a brand new Harley, talking about rubbing salt into the wounds, <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, his caring mother, who told him not to use his wheelchair when they, when we go and visit her because she didn't want the neighbours to talk. Yep, true colours show through in rough times. Talk is cheap. All those people he helped over the years, he's fixed people's cars, concreted people's driveways, Resprayed people's cars, cut people's lawns, built people gardens, fought the management to keep people's jobs and get them better pay rises, had midnight phone calls from people at work worried about their jobs. He was a union delegate, a union rep. So many love jobs, you would think in a time of need he'd get something back. Oh yeah, maybe one visit, more for a sticky break rather than, is there anything I can do for you? Then there is, why don't you send him to respite? So you want me to put him into a nursing home for a couple of weeks. What is that going to achieve? It will make me feel guilty for abandoning him and it would do more harm than good for him. Then there is, why don't you get a carer in? Do you have any idea what it is like to have strangers coming into your home, taking over your life? They would have to stay overnight to be of any use. By the time you tell them all the things he needs, it's easier for me to just do it. And how degrading for him to have a stranger wiping his bum, emptying his urinal, etc. Been twelve years since this awful exist since this awful existence began. I don't know how many times he's told me he wished he'd died that night. It used to upset me, but now I get it. 
He's lost everything. All our dreams have gone. Social media is great, but it hurts when you see everybody else enjoying their lives and you can't. Our kids have grown up and got their own homes. He hates that he can't help them do stuff around their houses. We are blessed with beautiful grandsons. He loves them to death, but he gets really upset. He can't be the grandfather he wants to be. If he complains to friends about this, their answers are, at least you are here to see them. I wonder how happy they would be not being able to play with their grandkids. Until you live every aspect of this miserable existence, you are not entitled to an opinion in my eyes. I have friends, in inverted commas, who tell me how depressed they are because they are so busy at work or their kids are getting married and they'll miss them, blah, blah, blah. I know I'm getting hard as I get older, but I'm so over it. I now wonder how much longer we can survive like this and what happens next. If he dies, what happens to me? I haven't worked in years, and I'm mentally drained. I don't know if I could work now, but I'm too young to retire, and if I die, what becomes of him? Okay, that's the, uh, that'll do for the first episode. Uh, please, yeah, excuse my... Um, you know, shortcomings there. Uh, I haven't read a children's book or, you know, you, you know you get, uh, you know, you, you see people on, on TV, you know, like those uh, the kid shows where they're reading books to the kids and that. I mean, that uh, that's hard work. I reckon that, that'd take a few takes before they got that down, you know, flawlessly. So, yeah, excuse my... Um, uh, my my skills uh, there, they're a little bit underdone. Uh, what would I be known as, a narrator or a, an orator? <laughs> I don't know. But, um, yeah, just sharing uh, this story, um, you know, I'm learning so much more at the next level about uh, these people and their plight. Uh, and, you know, also about my, myself, really. But, um, you know, and where I'm at in my life and, you know, my struggles and challenges and, um, you know, because we all have them. Um, but just, you know, uh, at different levels and degrees and we're all, all in different places. But by just showing a bit of uh, empathy and a bit of compassion um, you know we can make a lot of difference in the life of others and if you can you should if you can help you should I mean sometimes when you're copping a flogging in your own corner you know facing many uh, you know trials and tribulations and adversity on, on a few different fronts at times you, you can't see the light you know um, so you, you kind of 
um, forget that other people are out there having a battle as well. But I think sometimes if you, you know, can give to somebody else while you're doing, having your own struggle, and this is just me reflecting on my time uh, going through my uh, struggles, which I think I might have shared in a previous podcast, I'm not sure, but um, as I'm going through my uh, struggles, I, um, uh, you know, thought, I've reflected and thought maybe, you know, you could kind of take yourself out of that that, that painful world for a period of time by, by actually going and helping others. So there's a thought, all right, I'm going to wrap this one up. Okay, I'm going to record another one very shortly. Thanks. All right, let's, um, I'll uh, share with you the um, another 20-minute episode of uh, The Caregiver's Cry and uh, their story. <clears throat> okay, well, this one um, they've sent to me is about half a dozen pages. So I'm just going to read uh, on for approximately 20 minutes. I mean, if, I, if I'm getting to the end of the, toward the end of the six pages and it's close to the 20 minutes, I might go over into the into 25, 30 minutes and just uh, complete it. Um, but this one, they've um, titled Reflections. And this is an edited version from the first one that they sent me initially. So just a little bit of history there because, you know, when you're writing something, you might have, and I do and have done, you might reflect on it once you've written it and you've already sent it and then you're like, oh, I shouldn't have sent that yet. (laughs) So you kind of, um, you know, uh, I'll often write a document and I might read it two or three times before I decide to send it. And then, you know, during that process, I'll make adjustments or edit it or make amendments. And sometimes I feel okay with, with what I've, um, you know, presented or created. So I'll get on with it. Okay, reflections. As a full-time carer, you have a lot of time to think and reflect on your life as it is now and remember what was. It's funny, though, how memories work. Depending on your mood and at the time of recalling memories, and how deep you delve into those memories. When he first had his stroke and was fighting for life, I remembered our younger years and the summer days we spent in the sun. Life was simple then, no responsibilities, young and carefree. Then I thought about our kids, how much we loved them and how much we wanted to give them so they could have every opportunity for a long, healthy, happy life. I thought about the family holidays in our caravan and watching our kids enjoying the beach and exploring. We had a lot of fun times. But it's like after the dust settles and you get into the daily grind of endless chores, bills to pay, problems to resolve, working out if you are now still a wife, life partner or carer or slave, the good memories of your former life fades. When it 
when every aspect and survival of your life and his life is dumped on your shoulders alone. Despair sets in. The loneliness is the worst. He's sitting right there, but there's no conversation, no planning for the future. Do we even have a future now? All I can see in the future is depression, financial juggling, having a man-child to tend to for the rest of my life. I just raised our three sons almost alone because he was either at work helping other people or in the garage playing, as he called it. There is where This is where the memories of the not-so-good times and resentment start to creep in. We were both raised by parents who were stuck in the 50s style of women's job was to do just about everything else, including raising the kids and having dinner on the table when the husband came home. In their eyes, if the man went to work all day, he was entitled to stop at the pub on the way home to relax and catch up with his mates and come home to a prepared meal and quiet, clean house. Well, I think he thought this was still the norm three decades later. I'm not blaming him or our upbringing entirely because I blame myself for not speaking up and saying this is not how I want to live our lives. When we first got married, he didn't like us going out with each other because he used to say that's when trouble starts. I was very young and naive, in brackets, only 19 actually, and was love-struck. Coming from a broken home, I'd do anything to make sure our kids always felt safe and secure. If it meant giving up a few things, it would be okay. But it's funny how things stick in the back of your mind. You don't really think about them until you have too much time on your hands and you start questioning why this person you married is nasty to you, even though you have given up everything for them. It is something new, or has it always been there? But because you were so busy raising kids, working, paying bills, planning your family's future, you just didn't notice these awful personality traits. He has always been self-centred and narcissistic. I call it his God complex. He thinks he's above everyone. Thinking back... It was always there. I was either too stupid to notice or too scared to acknowledge it. His mother was a nasty, selfish person and his father never raised him for any anything. Or never praised him for anything, sorry. Uh, nothing was ever good enough. I always wonder if it's nature or nurture that shapes us. Our wedding, which I like, I like many other girls, dreamed all about all my life, had to be in a Catholic church to please his mother, even though I'm not Catholic and the priest didn't want to perform what he worded as a mixed marriage. Also, wanted me to change my religion to Catholic and told me in front of my mother that we were basically 
illegitimate children because my parents were married in a registry office. I was not happy and didn't want to marry there, but wasn't really given a choice because it would upset his family. So I went along with it to keep the peace. At the reception, I had to introduce myself to his relatives I had never met because he was on the dance floor the whole night with his mates, with his mate's girlfriend. Finally, as we, as we, we left, I had to drive. He had drunk too much. I'm sure he enjoyed his special day. And I'll just um, put a pause on that there. As you heard me, um, my reaction to that last, those last couple of sentences, um, I haven't read this until now. Uh, so, you know, I was a little bit shocked. So I wasn't laughing like, laughing, laughing. Um, yeah, so I was, yeah. And because, you know, like I said, I, I know these people, um, but a lot of, all, well, most of this is all I'm, you know, discovering for the first time. So like yourself, if you're listening out there, um, you might be a little bit shocked to hear some of these uh, points or revelations, whatever you'd like to call, refer to them as. And I'm not going to have a personal opinion on, um, uh, you know, what, uh, you know, how things uh, were for them or uh, on on uh, the the view of, uh, you know, the side, or the one version that I'm delivering right now from uh, the wife of this relationship. Um, and, you know, maybe one day I may get uh, a version from the husband, but uh, if I might add the conversation that I had with the wife uh, when this... Um, when before they sent this... Uh, the next uh, episode was that the, they were having a, a moment, if I can share that. They were, you know, and so this was their way of uh, dealing with it and escaping. And I won't go into detail of what was said exactly to me, but this was, a, like I said, an escape and a, how, you know, of having a hard time, a moment, and they thought it would be ideal to write it down and I'm, I totally support that idea. So I'll kick on again, I'll get into it a little bit more because I have about another 10 minutes to go. So I'll read on. Please listen, thanks. I remember the first night in our new house, and in brackets, that we had to buy in that neighbourhood because his father said it's a good place. End of brackets. All we had was one single bed. Apparently, he needed a better night's sleep than me because I slept on the floor while he got the bed. Now, 
This was my first mistake. This is why I call myself stupid. I am an empath. And although, after the fact, I hate myself for not standing up, I can't help it. I always put others' feelings first, then get cranky with myself for letting people use me up. When we first got married, I was offered a permanent job on night shift. As we had a mortgage and it was good money, I took it. I actually loved it. I worked with other girls my age and there were no bosses hanging around watching me work. But he didn't like it. So I got the ultimatum. If you don't go today shift and are not in bed with me at night, I'll get someone else to share the bed. Again, stupid, young, newlywed love struck me. I think I just excused this as he must really love me and wants to be close to me. Wow, middle-aged me would never put up with this shit. Why didn't I have the brains back then? Then there was the Christmas. I was very pregnant with our first baby. I was almost due and not sure what to expect. He wanted to go out with his mates for a night. I was a bit scared to be alone in case I went into labour. Bad luck, he's still going out, and the next morning I'll drive over half an hour to pick up his hungover ass. Then I went into labour. He had to have sex one last time before the baby was born. Oh yeah, that was really comfortable. Then while I'm suffering hours of intense agony giving birth, he's sound asleep in the chair. The doctor woke him up just before the baby was born. Thanks for the support. This wasn't once, three times. Now you are starting to understand why I call myself stupid. Then there were the visits from his parents to our home to see the baby. I'm struggling with breastfeeding, emotional and sore, and they told me to go and feed the baby in the bedroom. because they are not comfortable with me feeding in front of them. So stupid obeys, again, with night feeds, unsettled baby during the day and no help, exhaustion begins, but I can't be too exhausted to give him sexual pleasure before he gets a full night's sleep. I remember just laying there crying from pure exhaustion, just wanting to sleep. After all, I was told if I didn't, he would find someone who would. And now I had a child to think about. When his brother's wife had their first child five years earlier, he went on and on about how great she was. When he'd go to visit, he'd help her and do any job she asked. For me, question mark, nothing. No help, never changed a nappy, never did a night feed, never never bathed the babies, never did any washing or cooking or any housework. Not his job. He went to work, cut the lawn once a week, washed the cars. Oh, he'd help others when they called him. Neighbours, friends, family. 
After our second was born, 16 months later, I was super busy. I remember calling him one night at work after a particularly rough day, in brackets, 10 hours alone with two babies, in tears asking him to come home. No way, he said. He said he couldn't. But he could give up overtime to go to TAFE and learn how to spray paint and panel beat cars and use those skills to fix mates' cars for free instead of doing overtime. Then the way he made me feel inadequate, never directly, but it would be like, so-and-so's wife does this, or do you know how great so-and-so's wife is? It could be that he would come home and tell me how nice his female co-worker is and how great she thinks he is. He was always talking himself up but never telling me how I did something good. But he would always make sure I'd know if something wasn't perfect or up to his standards. Maybe I overthought it, or maybe it's his way of making himself feel more important. I got to the point where the kids, when the kids were babies, that I thought, to myself, we have a nice house, beautiful kids, he's hard working, I'm the only one that's not good enough here. Thank God I had the strength to pull myself out of that mindset pretty fast, but I also think that I let him destroy my self-worth. Thinking about it, he still does it now. He tells me how good his female carer is because she talks crap to him. He won't ask her to do anything for him, but tells me to do stuff when she goes or if something he needs isn't done while she's here getting paid. I get yelled at for not being done, for it not being done. Example, she helps him in the shower, I get the bathroom ready, get out the clean towels, clean clothes, move the shampoo holder rack away because he doesn't like like it where it is while he's having a shower and put the handheld shower lower so it's easier for him to reach. I forgot. Excuse me for a minute. I forgot to, <clears throat> to move the handheld shower down last week. Instead of asking her to do it while she's in there, he waited until she left, then told me he wanted to change the whole shower system. I asked, I asked why he just didn't ask either of to put it down. He just called me an idiot. At least this time, he didn't tell me to go back in the kitchen because I don't get paid to think. All right, I'm going to stop it there because I'm, I'm not finished page four of seven pages and I'm at about 18 or 19 minutes into this recording and um, 
excuse my moments there, my brain was drifting, I think, a little bit. So I'll um, I'll create another 20-minute episode and, uh, yeah, continue to, to listen. Um, there's some pretty... As I was um, told by uh, the author, uh, they that this was going to be pretty deep and dark at times. And they were right. And like I said, I, I hadn't read it before. So sometimes you might hear a reaction in my voice and sometimes it might be more obvious than not. But... Um, so I apologise for that, but like, you know, it's like, wow, some of it, um, and yeah, so I'll continue, I'll create another episode soon, uh, so this, yeah, part two, and thank you, thanks for listening. Okay, this will be, um, part three of the Carer's Cry, and quite possibly... Um, the last episode or segment of this lot that I've received to date. So I'll just continue on. This is a continuation from the last 20-minute episode, the previous one, part two, because I just want to keep them short um, because not everybody has half an hour or an hour to listen And some people, you you know, you'll lose um, their attention or their attention span may not be that great either. So that's the reason why I'm breaking up uh, these these writings. Uh, Yeah, so, and I have uh, received a bit of feedback from the author as well, so that helps too. All right, so I'll continue. So let's talk about illness and injuries. Only his are always so much worse, and if I have anything wrong, he must have it too. I'm not joking, he still does it now. Just this week I had an upset stomach, in brackets. Think it may have been the Chinese food I ate. Brackets finish, right? He thought he had bowel cancer, no symptoms. If I had cramps from lady problems, he'd have stomach cramps too. The first day I came home from hospital with our firstborn, my mum came over to do some washing for me and let me rest a bit. So I went to have a lay down. He had to have a lay down and sleep too. I gave birth, not him. I realised I had a hernia from lifting him. When I told him, he thought he had one too. I've also developed bursitis in my shoulder. He told me one night he thinks... He's caught it from me because his shoulder is sore too. When our second son was two weeks old, I cut my hand with a food can. Needed stitches, so I went to emergency and they stitched it up. Told me to keep it dry for a few few days a week. When I got home, I asked if he could bath the kids and wash the dishes. He went to the garage and gave me a pair of rubber gloves. I kid you not, a week after I had our third son, he was concreting a friend's driveway. 
I had a massive blood clot and heavy bleeding come come and heavy bleeding come away. So I called him. He came home and watched the kids while I drove myself to hospital. The only time he had to mind the kids. When I broke my toe, he told me it wasn't broken. It was blue and facing sideways. He was a senior first aider. I had to get someone else to drive me to hospital. X-rays confirmed it was broken. I had a bulging disc in my back one time. He and the kids had to lift me out of bed because I couldn't bend. I drove myself to the doctor and for scans. Despite having heaps of sick pay and holidays, he didn't want to have time off work because he loved his job. So he would help me up in the morning, sat me on the lounge and went to work. If I needed anything, I had to struggle to get up by myself. My last and worst health problem was last year. I had to get my hernia fixed. After living with it for 10 years, my surgeon botched it and I ended up really sick. Developed sepsis in the wound and had to have a total of five surgeries to remove the mesh and repair the hernia as best as possible. It's still not completely healed 13 months later. According to him, I was faking it to get attention. He healed. He had a live-in carer while I was in that hospital. She was useless, made him food he wouldn't eat, etc. But he said nothing to her. I was sleeping in another room because I was attached to a machine to drain the fluid from the open wound. He would call me after. He would call me after she went to bed to wipe his bum and take his clothes off because she didn't do it properly or left his pants around his ankles. The last time I went to hospital, he couldn't understand why I wouldn't get her back. I sound like a bitter old lady, but you need to understand, whilst he's treating me like this, he's also had a, a few health problems over the years and I've always done everything for him. When I was pregnant with our second son, he smashed his motorbike, in brackets, which I begged him to get rid of when we had kids. Broke his leg badly, concussion, sprained wrist, and bruised ribs for about three months, not only being pregnant, looking after a one-year-old, doing all the housework, etc. Now I also had to do the lawns, wash the cars, look after him. He had Bell's palsy, which back then wasn't well known. His family told him it was stress and he should rest. So rest he did, but my but my turn to step up again. Then he developed chronic eczema. That lasted for years until they figured out it was actually a yeast intolerance. While suffering with this, he couldn't do anything because his skin was sore. Twelve years ago, he had a stroke. 
after years of uncontrolled high blood pressure, uncontrolled because thought he was above taking medication, he's since been diagnosed with apnea. But he won't use the machine because he doesn't like doesn't like it. Diabetes, which he now has to have injections because he won't change his diet. He's had sepsis twice from recurring ear infections because he sticks things like keys and dirty fingers in his ears. His kidneys don't work properly because of all the medication. He's struggling to walk now. He was getting quite good for a while, but doesn't like exercise or repetition. So now he's worse than ever. I've tried to help him recover from medical trials, sometimes in other states, to acupuncture, which is extremely expensive. Now, with the NDIS, he gets regular physio, but he won't do his exercises, they leave for him. I'm starting to, to give up, sick of fighting for him to get better. He puts in no effort and takes no blame, but is quick to make me do all of the research and appointments. He will admit he never did anything for me, but takes no blame. He also admits he has no appreciation and calls me a princess if I complain about his lack of thanks. This has all made me bitter, sad and angry at myself for slipping into this life only to realise it's too late to change it now. So after all of this, I've paid my dues. I've held up my side of the bargain. I think I stayed in the beginning because I was young, with stars in my eyes, in love and wanted stability. Then, through the fear of raising kids alone without their father in their lives, now because I don't know what will happen to him if I leave, and if we sell the house to split, the kids will miss out on everything we've ever worked for. His half would have to be paid into care for him. We did have some good times in there amongst all the crap. And we made three beautiful kids together. I think I'm getting bitter as I get old because I realise now I could have done so much more with my life and now I live with regrets. I wish I'd spoken up more. Done things I wanted to do. I wanted to go to TAFE. He wouldn't let me because he wouldn't mind the kids at night. As a Pisces, I'm a dreamer. So I crawl inside my own mind and dream about what could have been until I have to empty another urinal or wipe another bum, then realise the enormity of my wasted life. Okay, that's... Um, that's the end of that. Um, for now. And, you know, some people might not appreciate what's going on there and other people they might uh, you know be able to uh, 
you know, uh, associate themselves with some of the content and just go, hey, that, that, that's me or that was me. Um, yeah, so I can't have a personal opinion on it because I'm just sharing a story that they've asked me to. And uh, um, while I do have uh, an opinion and uh, thoughts and feelings on that, um, I'll keep them to myself. As I've mentioned, I do know these people personally. And um, I'll... Um, yeah, continue to support uh, where I can and make make a difference where possible, if at all. And uh, so out, I have to. The message has to be out there. If you're struggling at home and you can't see, uh, you know, an escape, or you know, you're really feeling that bad, just remember. There are um, organisations out there like, you know, Beyond Blue and Lifeline and Are You OK? Um, th that you can reach out to and or, I've said in previous podcasts, reach out to a friend, uh, you know, whether that's just a, a regular friend or somebody who's, uh, you know... Um, who, who's shown you an empathetic ear um, that some people might feel comfortable talking to counsellors, psychologists, um, you know, and other people don't want to, or might just write it down like this person has and um, quite literally um, avoided a, a situation while they were having a, a moment. And when I say a moment, uh, you know, after having read that, and knowing, you know, the 12-year struggle and the struggle before the stroke um, from the content that uh, has just been revealed to you all there, um, you know, uh, that, that probably uh, avoided an even bigger situation by just sitting down and writing it and, you know, just getting it off the chest. I mean, so there's one way, another way of, uh, you know, dealing with your... Um, your situation, but there are, like I said, organisations out there with uh, professional counsellors um, to, you know, to help in some way, shape or form. So get on the Google uh, or talk to your family doctor. Um, yeah, and and help yourself, okay? Because, uh, yeah, it's regardless of whether you're in a a relationship that's um you know, toxic or um, you're, you're questioning, uh, you know, certain things, um, you need to be okay. You need to look after yourself. And there's nothing wrong with being selfish in that regard when it comes to your own mental health and, you know, your well-being because that affects everything. Okay? All right. Thanks for listening. There will be more... Uh, to this series, more episodes, uh, more segments to this episode. So um, please, you know, check us out and, uh, yeah, um, stay safe. Thanks for listening.